Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. You've just landed in the Sin Bin with your hosts, Paul Rogers. Hey, you went to Princeton and we're all Eastern, weren't you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. And Otto Rogers. You <laughs> what a life. See ya. Yeah. All right, let's show them what we got, guys. Okay. All right, yeah. Get out there on the ice and let them know you're there. Oh, my All right, and welcome everyone to the Seattle Simbin. I am your host, Paul Rogers. I am waiting on my host, on my co-host Otto, to show up any, any second now. Um, but we've got a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, to start off with, in about ten minutes, we're going to talk to Brandon Rivers, who is our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks, and he's going to talk to us about how things are going with that team. Um, you know, the the outlook for their uh, for their position in the playoffs how the season's gone so far. And we're also going to talk to him about uh, the Portland market itself. Um, in particular, I'm, cu- I'm curious to know um, if Seattle were to get an NHL franchise, uh, how much would Portland support that franchise? I know that uh, Portland is a big supporter of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and so one of the things I'm going to ask Brandon is, um, how well would Portland um, support a Seattle NHL franchise? And then I'm excited because uh, for the first time this year, this season, um, Otto and I are going to talk to the guys from Las Vegas um, who have a, who have the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and uh, we're going to talk to them about the latest news in NHL expansion, things that are going on down in Vegas, things that may or may not be going on in Quebec, and things like that, and it looks like Otto is on the line. Otto, are you there? Hey, how's it going, Paul? How are you? Going good. Going good. Great. Um, how are you, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm just uh, glad to be back on the airways with you. Yeah, and on on that note, um, apologize to our audience because we. Uh, we were scheduled to be on the air last week, and uh, I think on Tuesday we had scheduling issues, um, and on Thursday we had technical issues, so it wasn't able to work. Um, so apologize for that, but uh, things seem to be work- working fine tonight. And so Otto, I was just telling everyone that uh, Brandon is going to be joining us in a few minutes to talk Winterhawks and and the city of Portland, and uh, later on we're going to talk to the Vegas to the guys from the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, but before we get to those guys, uh, there's some things going on in Seattle that we need to address. Uh, for example, we are one week away from March 15th. Otto, remind everyone what, ha- what happens on March 15th. March 15th is the day, the public hearing for the street vacation in Seattle. And that would have to do with the Soto Arena proposal, of course. And so uh, Chris Hansen, his, his arena, if if he is able to build it is is going to have to be built on top of what is now Occidental Avenue, and of course we're he's asked to have that that street vacated, or at least one block of that street vacated. And uh, I don't. It seems like lately there's been some videos released 
about Occidental Avenue. Uh, Chris Daniels released a video. Uh, the guys from Sonicscape released a video. And there doesn't seem to be that much traffic on Occidental Avenue. Do you get no, that, the same you know, impression? Yeah, you know, it, it, you know I, I think T5 and Daniels' team, I think they were out there three separate times over three uh, separate time periods. Uh, the Sonicscape guys, they were there for like a nine-hour stretch. You know, and we've had KGR guys kind of going down there for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And if you just look at it, it's honestly, it's not it's not a vital road. If you, it, it looks like a glorified alleyway that's used as a parking lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't... It, it's, yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's, it, it's ridiculous. And, you know, all the data from the SDOT and the EIS showing that this is not a viral road. Now we have all these videos, you know, um, that show that, you know, the port's not using this. But then for some reason, the Seattle Times and the port is saying that this is vital to port operations. I mean, it's just nonsense, Paul. It's just nonsense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and so um, if you go, if our listeners go to sonicsrising.com, and most of you uh, are listening to this podcast through sonicsrising.com. But if you haven't gone there already, um, we have numerous articles linking to a petition at sonicsarena.com. And if you haven't signed that petition, you need to sign it. That petition lets the city council know that you are in favor of vacation of Occidental Avenue. And and by osmosis, you're also in favor of the arena being built. Um, Otto, I think we're going to get this done. I think I think it's going to pass. But we have to see it through. We have to put the work in. We have to send emails. We have to sign a petition. We have to show up at the meeting on March 15th. Um, and by, it's it's scheduled to start at 5:30. And but you guys need to show up earlier than that, like way earlier than that. I I I would say you almost want to show up a couple hours early, wouldn't you, Otto? Yeah, I want to say like if you uh, you know I took a look at the calendar the other day. And I, w- I want to say they they had some things uh, going on at two thirty for like a, the transportation a transportation meeting at two thirty. If you go to the city council calendar uh, for that day, uh, they don't actually show. And it might it might have been updated since last week, but they don't actually show the five thirty uh, public meeting on street vacation. But they have the two thirty meeting on on transportation issues. Um, I mean, I don't know how busy it's going to be. You know, I, I don't want to tell people to get there like five, six hours early. As soon as you right. can, as early as you can, um, to kind of take, you know, take control of that room a little bit and just have a have it a pro, you know, Sonics, pro NHL hockey crowd. Yeah, because here's what we know, Otto. Um, the, the port's showing up. Um, if they have to let people off work to show up, they'll let people off work to show up. And so um, they're going to get into that room. They're certainly going to testify. Um, but but we need to get we need to have the visuals set up to where there's more Sonics fans in that main room than anyone else. Um, and the other thing is, if you get there and you get there too late to sit in the main room, I'm sure there will be some kind of overflow room or something because um, I went to the joint meeting what, three years ago between the county and the city. And they they had a huge um, hall that we were in. 
and then they had an over, overflow room upstairs. And so if you don't make it into the main room, um, I believe you can still sign up to testify. And even though you're not you're not sitting in the main room, they would call you in. Is, am I remembering that incorrectly, Otto? Because I, it seems I, I like say, um, yeah, I want I want to say there is a <clears throat> uh, you know that ability to like sign up and then um, they can get you call you in. But I here's my question: I don't remember is is the is the meeting is it capped at some at some time like you know or Will everyone that signs up be able to get to speak, or is there a cutoff time? I mean, I think that's one thing that I'll tell you is how long I, is the meeting supposed to go? I think, I think anyone who signs up gets to speak. Um, oh. I don't know that for sure, <laughs> but I I think they ran the gamut last time. I I think it went for hours. <laughs> so um, the, let's keep the council members. It could be a long meeting for for six hours. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it'll last that long. Uh, but, but the meeting I went to, which was the joint count, county and city meeting, um, I left after two hours, and uh, I think it, I want to say it went another hour after that, just because of all yeah. the people testifying. Um, and so, what what we're saying to you guys is, um, come to the meeting if you can. Um, wear your Sonics gear. Wear your hockey gear. Uh, whatever you want to wear. I And I'm actually excited about this auto. I, I showed a, you've seen a picture of it. I have, uh, I ordered a jersey just for this. I ordered a sweater just for this. And so I haven't, uh, I had a Seattle Sinbin jersey made up just for this meeting and I'm looking forward to wearing it. So it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be um, great. And, and we are podcasting that day. Um, we're still talking about the details of it. Um, maybe we'll do a podcast. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll record the podcast and just talk to people waiting in line, uh, and then and then air the podcast later on. Uh, we may periscope the meeting uh, using our cell phones. It could take take a variety of forms, and we're still working it out. But we will. Otto and I will both be there. Um, you that that's correct, Otto. You're supposed to be there, right? Yeah, I, I, at this point, I I am uh, I am supposed to be there. I never know what what happens between now and then, but I I am committed right. to being there definitely. Right. Yeah, and and you have we were talking uh, earlier today, and, and I think you were joking about this when you when you suggested having a street uh, hockey oh. game that day. <laughs> I was I was just for just you know. Not necessarily Occidental, not necessarily on the on the fifteenth. I was just asking the legality oh. of, of being on a public street and doing certain activities that include a hockey net and some hockey sticks. <laughs> and, just to kind of and some that. And possibly kind of yeah. point that if we could play if we could play street hockey on a public street and like not have to like jump off every like five seconds, that should tell you a lot. <laughs> you know, if if we did that, Otto, because I, I think that's a fun idea, we would be the first people to play hockey at the new arena. <laughs> you know what? You got think a point. That. Because that let's, would be right on. Done. That would be exactly where that rink would go. Uh, probably right square I in the middle of Occidental. Said, 
I actually my, my son's uh, uh, hockey set is actually like it's it's actually like really like small and collapsible. Like we can like collapse the goals really quick, jump out there for a few minutes, and then jump right off when the police come to jump yard. Yeah, <laughs> it will be newsworthy. Uh, that's for sure. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> instead of maybe maybe instead of doing it on March fifteenth, maybe we should do it the day of the boat. <laughs> the day of the uh, boat. I don't know, but yeah. it's got potential. I'm about to get it. It's got potential. Yeah. It All right. Has potential, uh, we're waiting. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what we're, happens while we wait for Brandon Rivers. Yeah, we're we're waiting for Brandon Rivers to call in, and. Um, Let's see. So, so what else is going you on? Know what? We well, while we're waiting that? for Brandon Rivers, let's, well, we'll let's talk a little WHL. From from my perspective, um, the last game I went to was uh, <laughs> Seattle was playing uh, uh, Everett, and uh, uh-huh. we beat Everett two nothing to uh, and um, and Seattle now is I want to say four points ahead of Everett. The crazy thing is, there's seven games left to go in the season, and and the U.S. division we all we all just play each other, right? So like Seattle played Portland three times, I think we played Everett twice, we played Tri City, Spokane, um, I think I think Portland plays Everett twice, Portland playing Ev- Everett tonight. So tonight I'm a Winterhawks fan, <laughs> just so we can have a little more separation. Oh my gosh! Between first place first place Seattle. And Everett, <laughs> because you know, I I, I can't I imagine <laughs> I can't imagine a better segue no than, than that, Otto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, the I fact want no that you're part, going to root for no Portland, part of tonight. Portland. <laughs> okay, well, the fact that the fact that yeah. you're rooting for Portland tonight is the perfect segue for our next guest. <laughs> uh, Brandon, are you there? I am here. <clears throat> Did you hear what Otto just said? Yeah, a Thunderbirds fan is, is rooting Thanks, for Portland Otto. tonight. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's it's this time of year. It can make you do crazy things, I guess, <laughs> like cheer for your uh, yeah. hated rivals. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I right. think, so just, uh, welcome. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go no, ahead. I'm just. It, it, it's uh, you know, I told other other Winterhawks fans, I was like, you know, I said they said like I. <clears throat> I don't want to have any part of playing Portland in that first round. So, uh, as long you know, as long as we stay, I think Brandon broke it down. Uh, I think Seattle right now is scheduled to play Kamloops. I think um, I would yeah. rather play. For some reason, we do this year. The Thunderbirds have done much better against the Canadian teams than against the U.S. division. So, uh, just get me out of the U.S. division for the first round, and I'll be a happy camper. Oh, for sure. I, I think like uh, it's, it's, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> as far as Portland yeah. and Seattle is concerned. Seattle is that – I mean, they they compare a lot, in my opinion, to the Winterhawks of last year where, you know, they kind of struggled for a lot of the year. I wouldn't – maybe not struggled, but uh, weren't where everyone uh, thought they would be at the beginning of the year, as in first in the division. And Portland ended up not being able to catch Everett. But I think a lot of people would agree that they were a more – offensively much more offensively talented team and that's what Seattle is this year they're they're with Kelowna losing Nick Merkley uh they're right up there with the Victorian Kelowna and in my opinion maybe just because I see them more often they're above Kelowna and Victoria as far as the offensive talent I mean they can just score from any place 
at any point. Uh, Ethan Bear from the blue line is is ridiculous. He's got an NHL level one timer that it looks like something Alex Ovechkin. I mean, you almost think you're watching him uh, as in, uh, he scored a pivotal goal last uh, last Friday yeah. uh, or last Saturday in uh, Portland's lot two one loss to Seattle, and between him and Barzell, who in my opinion, Seattle could very well lose him to the New York Islanders next year. He is so skilled. And Ryan Gropp and Keegan Colasar when he comes back from injury, like, I don't want any part of them. <laughs> if, I, if, if I'm the Winterhawks, I, I want to face them in the next round, you know, where you're going to have to kind of face them. As opposed to the first round, I'd much rather face Everett, who, you know, can can lock things up defensively and things like that. But they're not going to – I mean, if you take a 3-1 lead on them, they're not going to come back. Seattle might come back right. and win 7-3 when they're down 3-1. <laughs> right. I think, so and I think, I, think for, I, think, I think for Seattle, too, um, I think the, the big key, and we've kind of seen over the last couple of games, is uh, getting Landon Bow um, uh, back from injury. I mean, I, you know, I looked at his record. I was like, oh, you know, we're getting this guy from, uh, you know, uh, Saskatchewan and, and – uh, you know, I saw him. I was like, okay, but he has a pretty good goal to, uh, goals against average, pretty good save percentage. Okay, man. I mean, um, just watching him make saves and stuff. And I think I saw some stats that since he's been in Seattle, he has like a, a .935 save percentage and a under two goals allowed. And I'm just like, man, you know, like getting Landon Bow might have been the smartest thing that the T-Birds could have done. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Seattle seems like I kind of made this joke to Andy Ide, who covers the uh, Thunderbirds for seven ten and uh, right. Northwest. I made this joke to him on Twitter back when you know Lanimbo was first coming to Seattle and he was he was tearing it up. I said, "Boy, Seattle should just not develop their own goalies." I remember Brandon Glover <laughs> was acquired in a trade deadline acquisition, and he yeah. was lights out when he first got there. Taron Cozen exactly. was the same way for Seattle, like mm-hmm. when they traded for him from Kamloops. It's and now Bo, it's like they don't need to develop their own goalies. They acquire <laughs> someone else's talent, and he he plays out of his mind. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think he agree, quite agreed with me in the, in the comment. I think he said, "Well, it's probably better if you develop your own." But <laughs> but yeah, yeah it would be nice if we if we could develop, you know have something where, you know, like, you know, Everett, and they, they got that kid, they got uh, Carter Hart come in, and, you know, they already had a great goalie in, you know, lots, right? Um, and they put Carter Hart just, like, kind of took it all away <laughs> and, and kind of forced Everett to play him. So, Everett yeah, I mean, like, a 16-year-old goalie up. last year who took yeah. the job and forced lots out and was, you know, got them to the second round of the playoffs. And now, exactly. I mean, think about all that, uh, that uh, you know, experience that he had last year. It's right. only going to help him even more in the playoffs this year when, you know, you know they're going to rely upon him as well. I mean, that's just the type of system they play. But, yeah, yeah that, that that kid, uh, you know, by the end of this playoff, their playoff run, he could have – he could very well play himself and do maybe – maybe not the first round of the NHL draft. That's kind of – always do not get taken there very often, but at least the second or third rounder, yeah, for sure. So you know, I have to ask. I have to ask you a question. Uh, mm-hmm. you, do you think the schedule makers they kind of knew that uh, uh, you know what they were doing when they put uh, Seattle and Portland in three of the last seven games? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they do play twelve times, so you got to fit those games in somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, I, it's it seems like it boils down. 
Irving, Seattle, Portland always plays Seattle towards the end of the year. And, and, you know, with, with what Seattle went through or Portland went through, you know, that those terrible years that I think 11 win season and then Seattle kind of had their own times. It's, it's, I, I absolutely just love Portland playing Seattle and games that matter. You know, it'd be even better if yeah. you know, they do face off in the, in the playoffs, preferably second round. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I love the rivalry. It takes me back to my childhood of watching Portland and Seattle, watching the Todd Robinson and, and Patrick Marlowe go head to head. Um, uh, what was it? Brian Burrard or not Brian Burrard. I can't, I can't remember the defenseman that Seattle had that was, uh, I mean, so many, so many great playoff moments. Um, David yeah. Moore set for Seattle. I mean, Lonnie Bahanas being acquired and then torching the T-Birds. I mean, acquired from Seattle and then torching the T-Birds. It was just, it's so many great moments. And obviously as a Portland fan, more positive than negative. Uh, the one exactly. interesting thing about Seattle, I, I think they've been around, what, I mean, they were the breakers at first, so I think around 37 years. Portland's celebrating their 40th year this year in Portland. I think. But, I, uh, think I want to say. I want to say next year, Seattle, they're going to be celebrating their like 48th or 49th year with through the, with the different teams. So I don't know. Okay, now I know Breakers, T-Birds, their franchise ties together. And, uh, okay. Uh, so I, I'm saying just the two. And if Seattle wins the division title. What's insane to me is this would be only be their third in thirty. I think it's yeah. thirty-seven seasons, third division yeah. title. Which we're, we're, we're mired, we're mired in mediocrity. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you, I mean, some crazy talent there. Um, you know, between Brooks Like and uh, you know Marlowe and Oleg Saprikin, I remember him tearing it up for them. And he got a taste of the NHL. It just seems insane that they would not have had the success that the all I would say all four other US division teams have had, including Everett, who's only been around what, thirteen years? I think they just right, clinched the yeah. playoffs spot, so that means they, they've uh made the playoffs in all thirteen seasons. Yeah. So no, I mean uh, if Seattle makes a deep run, they're definitely overdue for it. <laughs> I, hey, I, that's what I hope. I hope we can make it to the Memorial Cup. But uh yeah, I think I think Paul I think Paul had some stuff uh for you uh, want to want to ask you some things too? So, no, not really. No, I do. I know. Well, last hey, time, Otto, I, I, I do have to mention that we were kind of criticizing Matthew Barzell, and now the guy has, in my right? opinion, you know, even after a poor start of the year, his kind of play. If he keeps this up, he's going to get himself into the Western Conference MVP. Uh, yeah. Conversation. I think if he had a better year. At, for the rest of the year, he probably would have locked it up. Yeah, I mean, he is I'm the most sure. talented uh, player, I think. I don't know what I, I, I don't know what really happened with Barzell to really, you know, him him basically kind of blowing up also kind of coincided with Seattle, you know, their recent you know thirteen out of fourteen or twelve out of thirteen win streak too. So uh, it's 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 gonna be exciting, man. We got seven more games. Let's see let's see how it all rolls out. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's, well, speaking it's of Barzal, be... <laughs> speaking of Barzal, one of the guys from the uh, Vegas hockey, hockey podcast we're going to talk to you tonight is actually um, a beat writer for the Islanders, um, and he he writes for the hockey writers. So I think he's going to have some things to say about Barzal, Barzal as well. But uh, Brandon, what I wanted to ask you tonight was 
Um, obviously, we're all following the situation with the arena in Seattle. We're trying to get this arena built in Soto. And, uh, of course, we're, we're trying to get an NHL expansion franchise or a relocated team. Uh, but you being kind of tied in with the Portland hockey community, I wanted to ask you um, your impressions of the Portland hockey community. If Seattle gets a team, uh, how well might Portland support that team? I know they support the Seahawks and in various other ways, but how do you think Portland would react to an NHL franchise in Seattle? I think that uh, you would, I mean, I don't know what the numbers would be, but you would get quite a few diehard fans at least coming up for a handful of games a year. Maybe there's so many hockey fans in the Portland area that probably follow, you know, one specific team, uh, Blackhawks, Capitals, you name it, and they're going to come up there and watch their team play. I know with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, that's that's the NHL team that I follow. I followed uh, Mario Lemus, my favorite player of all time, and so I just kind of carried through from him. Um, right. It's my favorite team, and and I have gone up to Vancouver for three or four games over the over the years, and. Right. So I, I and you know that's that's not as easy as a trip because you got to cross the border. So uh, you know and right. all those other right. things you can do in Seattle once you're up here and make it a weekend of it. You know if it's if uh, the Seahawks are playing too, you can catch you know go to a hockey game Saturday night and go to the Seahawks you know Sunday. So I could see right. so I mean thousands of people. Yeah, so they up come here. up There's, for to support their teams, their individual teams. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you think before long if as a Seattle franchise might be able to establish some success, uh, the people down there might actually embrace the Seattle team as their team or uh, because I know that's that's happened with the Seahawks. Yeah. Success uh, speaks to all of that for sure. I know as a Seahawks fan, you know, that grew up in the Portland area for many years, uh, I was not surrounded by fellow Seahawks fans. I was surrounded by 49ers fans, Cowboys fans, and who had like an animosity towards the Seahawks um, leveling, I mean, on hatred, just because they were forced, you know, back in the days for NFL Sunday ticket, they were forced to watch the Seahawks every Sunday. And the Seahawks were so bad and they had to watch them every yeah, Sunday. They, and they couldn't watch their team, <laughs> you know, unless they had some crazy satellite dish. Um, so and that's turned around now to a ton of Seahawks fans because of that success. So now, I mean, you go down to the Portland area and you'll find, you'll see Seahawks jerseys, you know, all over the place. So if a, a Seattle hockey team, yeah, I mean, absolutely there would, there would be uh, uh, all these jerseys out of nowhere and, and you wouldn't be going from a, a place like the, uh, the NFL where they hated them first. So how can they really like them? Maybe they'll stick with their team. You're, you're, you're looking at all yeah. these, entry-level fans. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the Seattle franchise introduces hockey to the masses here. You know, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to, yeah. you're going to have to explain offsides in the newspaper and, uh, you know, face-offs and, and all, all those kind of rules. And you're going to have to do it in kind of a snappy way. And maybe your social media presence might have to be what carries you over. Um, so I mean, it'd be really interesting to see how you know, as a as a guy who's watched hockey for twenty five, twenty six years, it'd be really interesting to see how they introduce hockey to people who have only caught a half, handful of games. And you know, if you're from the Portland right. area, a lot of people think that uh, the Winterhawks are you know a, a farm club team for the Chicago Blackhawks because they have the same jerseys. 
Um, and there's no relationship like that at all, of course. But you know, or yeah, you know, uh, I actually have a Blackhawks hat, and I I went to the Winterhawks Thunderbirds game a few weeks back, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about it, and I told my wife, I'm I said I'm glad I didn't wear that hat because Seattle fans probably would have been all over me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, gotta look for that. But you bring up an there was a point in the back. Yeah, success is you know especially. I would say more so for Portland and Seattle, but even in Seattle, um, it's going to be important for any franchise that comes here to establish some successful patterns fairly soon. Um, And so, um, you know, Otto and I have talked about this uh, many times. From that perspective, you almost would rather have a relocated team because it would be an intact roster and maybe have a better chance for success. But, the the really important thing, wouldn't you think, Brandon, would be to have just a really good front office that that knows how to hit yeah. the ground running. You got to bring in the right minds. I mean, we we've seen that all over the place. I mean, uh, you know, on a I would say somewhat smaller level, the Sounders, and you still had a you know a built-in soccer community here that was starving for soccer. They had some pretty good minds in here that brought in, you know, bigger name soccer players and stuff like that, and, and you know, and, and it's it's grown from there. Now, if hockey, you know, they're fighting against a lot of people that don't really know much about the sport. You have to have great minds, bring in some big names, you know, maybe bring in, you know, a, a, a real big name. Like I, I could see them going after, you know, a similar way the Coyotes did, like a Gretzky. Well, maybe not Gretzky. There's not a Gretzky level name out there, but a name that a lot of people would recognize who had just like, you know, only catch hockey yeah. on Sports Center highlights type of thing. Like maybe bring in a Mark Messier or, or bring in you know a, a, a name of that uh, level. Yeah. I didn't think way, go after Gretzky because uh, I didn't think go after Gretzky because Gretzky has been linked to Seattle uh, in the past. When uh, you know, there's always been rumors cropping up about potential expansion groups in Seattle or potential ownership groups in Seattle, and his name has come up a couple of different times. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think they would have to go after someone like him, if not maybe the next tier of player, but they're, they're going to need some kind of face of the franchise to really get people excited, I think, and, and also great organization. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, knowing what I know about Portland, I, I think they would eventually embrace a Seattle franchise. Uh, I, I know there's a movement down there to actually bring a franchise to Portland. And the funny thing is they already have the arena for it. Um, yeah. So it, I, I guess I it would be Speak from experience from skating on the group. ice. The ice sheet is terrible for as far as professional hockey. I've skated on it really? myself. In the Rose Garden? Uh, not, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of, of, of the ice sheet. Now, they could have improved it since, I mean, this is years ago that I skated on it. They had, like, a New Year's thing where fans could skate on the ice with the players afterwards. They still do it, but the last time I did it was probably eight or nine years ago. And it was. And I've heard back when they get expansion teams, uh, or, sorry, exhibition games coming in, I'd heard complaints about that in the past. So if they've improved that, then, then I'm out of date. But, uh, you know, yeah, they do have the building, and – uh, watching Winterhawks games there, it's I don't know if you guys have done it. It's it's quite the experience because you get it almost an NHL type atmosphere with the camera angle or camera quality and all the replays and you know it's 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 got a real good atmosphere to it. 
Um, yeah. What's a typical crowd? What's a typical crowd size down in Portland? Well, I mean, back when they were real bumping, they were they were selling out, you know, and and they don't have the top area of the, well, what I call the Rose Garden, now called the Moda Center, open now. But uh, back in the day, they, or, uh, yeah, so uh, they don't have it open. So a sellout is like about around ten thousand. But they probably get around five or six consistently on a Friday, Saturday night, I'd say. Okay. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for coming on the show again. I'm sure we'll talk again when yeah. playoff time's coming around. By uh, the way, Brendan Brendan Witt. Brendan Witt was the uh, Seattle defenseman. I, I thought Brendan Brian Burrard, but Brendan Witt was okay. the Seattle Thunderbirds defenseman. It was a first round pick and actually played for the New York Islanders. So you might want to talk to the guy next, your next guest about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we might do that. All, All right, Brandon. Well, we'll talk to you next time, and thanks for coming on. All right, I'll catch you later. Thank you. All right. That was Brandon Rivers, who is our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to the boys from Vegas. So stay tuned. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but, but screen printed in Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. Bears State Hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to fairstatebulldogs.com. needed to cheer, the world watched the impossible dream come true. Volkswagen salutes the 1980 USA gold medal hockey team. Here in their new Volkswagen Vanagon, the greatest hockey team in the world. Get your free team photo and see the full line of Volkswagens at your local Volkswagen dealers. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! Alright, and of course, Otto Rogers is my co-host. He's also with me. Um, Otto, you there? I am here, Paul. All right, and we are now joined by our counterpoints, uh, counterpoints, counterparts from Las <laughs> Vegas, and uh, we are joined by the members of the Vegas Ho- Hockey Pack Podcast, 
uh, Mark Warner and Chris Lisa. Are you are you are you there, guys? Sure. How you doing, man? How you guys doing? Doing good. It's good to doing great. Uh, Mark, it, it's good to hear your voice again. And, and Chris, you're you're kind of new to the show, aren't you? When did you come on board with the the Vegas Hockey Podcast? I uh, I did a couple of shows as a guest uh, back in early June, July, and uh, and then I joined the show as the the co-host. Uh, I think shortly thereafter. So it's uh, coming up on the one year anniversary in a couple of months or so. Okay, okay. And you also write for thehockeywriters.com, is that correct? Yeah, I write for thehockeywriters.com on the New York Islanders. I actually live in Long Island, New York, and I also write for Last Word on Sports. That's lastwordonsports.com, and that's all NHL. Okay. And your your Twitter is at the NL King. Is that is that correct? Correct. I when I first started writing, I uh, was writing about baseball, so hence the NL King. And uh, at this point, you know, I'm not going to change it. Okay. What was Westward? All right. And, yeah. And so, Mark, it's good to hear your voice again. I I think the last time I talked to you, uh, I, you were interviewing me for your show, and it was right before the NHL expansion deadline. And I was promising you we were going to have multiple bids from Seattle and of course we had no bids from Seattle and so Otto and I, Otto I, and I then right. went into deep fits of depression um, we both became raging alcoholics uh, it, was ugly. it was really ugly but we were happy for you weren't we Otto yeah no it was great to Otto. see Las Vegas it, it was great to yeah. see Las Vegas yeah. uh, you know get you know have their, their bids submitted in and and kind of watching that progress of of the arena getting built and things like that. So really happy for, uh, you know, you guys down in Las Vegas getting your, getting your uh, things together for, for the, you know, upcoming uh, uh, draft or not draft expansion uh, announcement. Yeah. I have to, I have to confess. Yeah. I have to confess every time I see, every time I see one of you guys tweet a picture or maybe it's Dana Lane that usually tweets pictures of the arena. I, I have to confess, <laughs> I get really jealous. I got a uh, I got a good friend who's in, who's an electrician in there. So if, if anybody wants to see the progress photos, that those are on uh, those are on our at Vegas Hockey Pod Twitter feed all the time. As uh, all right, they they just hung the scoreboard uh, a couple nights ago, and then they dropped it back down to put the LED panels on it. So those are those are the most recent. Uh, progress oh my God. Got, or the the scoreboard going up and the seats you could watch you could see the seats are starting to go in and that's uh, pretty exciting actually but then you know you never you never know until uh until mr Bettman steps up to the podium here at the arena and or wherever he chooses to do it and officially shakes mr foley's hand uh the longer it takes the more the more worried we get. I'm sure you guys know that feeling. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so on that note, earlier this week, um, there was a report um, out of Montreal that uh, the the NHL Players Association had been informed that Quebec had basically been eliminated. Now, Commissioner Daly came out that afternoon and denied the report, but we know what NHL denials are worth. Uh, but... 
mm-hmm. what what are you guys hearing down there? What what's the status of things? Have you have you heard anything? Uh, is it going well for you? What what do you think is going on right now? Well, the la- the latest we they uh, I mean the season tickets continue to be sold. The last update put them over fourteen thousand five hundred full season commitments. Um, so that, I mean that's really more than a lot of ex- established teams have considering. Um, once once we get a team, I think the cap is going to be fifteen five, and that's only going to leave two thousand walk up seats a night available. Um, so from 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 that perspective, the excitement in the community is is still there, um, waning a little bit. I guess it'd be understandable. Um, Vegas is one of those here here now do it now uh, towns, kind of. I guess you would say instant gratification. Um, and the longer this takes, the kind of, there wasn't a guarantee when the original ticket drive was announced that if we didn't get a team for the 2016, 17 season, um, we could all get our money back. Well, we know that's not going to happen now. So the longer it takes, Chris, Chris, Chris was texting with me today about it, that, that report and, he said he doesn't think that they're going to announce until we would get a team in 2018-19, and I, I don't like that. I, I don't. I think that would be. I don't want to say a death knell, but, um, I think the community loses focus if you're waiting. That would be four years, really, from when we started our ticket yeah. drive to, um, watching hockey again. I don't know yeah. how that would work in this. You guys, you guys know about reports of oh, we're getting a team. Oh, we got owners. Oh, they said this, and you know what those are worth. If you have that in one hand and else in the other, you know what you have. Been fully added. So uh, the only reason I give it any weight is because the original report was from Big George Larocque, who's been in the league for 13 years. Um, he's now a radio host, and he's the guy that originally uh, came out with that report. So. Other mm-hmm. than that angle of it, I, I mean, the New York Post have had us with a hockey team four years ago, I think, and I haven't seen them play right. yet either. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, is the is your ownership group still holding steady? I know. Uh, uh, oh yeah. You know, the Maloofs the Maloofs can be kind of uh, grading on people. <laughs> they they all still getting along and all that. Oh yeah. The uh one one good thing about it is that the Maloofs from the start um and I don't know if this is a calculated move the, the the group or um under direction, but they've been solid partners all along. They're not out in the community the mean greets, they're not headlining any newspaper or any of that. The the face of the franchise Vegas Another like 
you know Dana Lane, his his podcast, Ken Belke calls uh, Mr. Foley the creator, and that's mm-hmm. because uh, he's a great guy. He's a fantastic guy, and he's going to be good for the community if the NHL does see their way clear to, to getting us a team here in our lifetime. <laughs> Yeah, and so I'm, I'm sensing a little frustration on your part, and I, and I can hardly blame you. Um, the so it, it's certainly taking longer than anyone thought for them to even make a decision. Um, are people down there starting to get um, upset, or are they just? Do you, is, is it more impatience, or maybe people starting to get upset, or is it just maybe apathy starts to set in at some point? What's the mood like down there? A little bit of all three of those. Um, I don't think it's to the casual fan. Uh, uh-huh. most, most hardcore fans. And I have been on on our show with with. Yeah. Hey, um, Otto, can you hear what they're saying? Because I'm, they're really, Mark's voice is really breaking up in my phone. It's it's breaking up on my my phone as well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let me try and get to a different location here. How about this voice? A little better. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Okay. Um, okay. And so, yeah, so we were talking about frustration, and, I, and I'm sorry, I think I missed most of what you said about the mood down there. So if you could kind of hit that again. Sure. I think I think the hardcore fans like myself and, and the other people that I, I know here are still real excited about it. Um, <clears throat> there is frustration setting in. Um, when we've kind of expanded our format since we changed hosts with Chris coming on board, uh, we've been bringing in, you know, media members from other NHL markets and uh, trying to pick a hot team or a hot topic and getting someone on each week to talk about what's going on in their, in their city. Um, gauging that question against the people we've had on the show, it seems like a lot of the rest of the NHL markets are excited still for us to get a team. And one of the first questions they want to ask us is, you know, how's it going out there? How's the arena? How's everything? Are you guys still excited? We're going to be out there. So there's still, I think in the hockey community around the country, there's still a lot of excitement for NHL franchise. But there is that sense that, you know, the longer it takes, the more, the more worried there could be a glitch or a hiccup or obviously the Canadian dollar is having an impact on, on the Quebec city bid. And we've been, we've been talked to by a few different writers that that is actually a huge issue. Obviously with the salary cap right around 70 million and the Canadian dollar around 70 cents, the math is pretty easy to see that if, the problem with Quebec City is they take in Canadian dollars at the gate and pay their players in American dollars. So if your salary right. got seventy million, you need a hundred million dollars in gate revenues just to make player pay, player payroll. 
and that doesn't account for any of your other costs. And that's a hard business model to sell. And I, I, I mean, I feel bad because all along we've been supportive of the Seattle effort and the Quebec City effort. Um, we'd love for sure. both cities to get a team. Um, definitely on record behind Seattle and Quebec City, and I feel bad that uh, possibly the economy is going to decide whether the hockey fans in those cities do get their team. Um, yeah. But that being said, I can, I can understand two things. Number one, it's hard to go with a business model that, that you're $30 million underwater before you drop a puck. And two, you have to understand that that would be some a kind of a huge PR question on how you tell Quebec City, one of the most you know storied cities in, in the Nordiques, being one of the most storied franchises in National Hockey League history, that Las Vegas gets a team and Quebec City doesn't. I mean, the, yeah. I'm sure they've got an army of PR guys trying to figure out the best way to break the ice if that is if that report we saw earlier this week is true. So, mm. yeah. You know, and I was, I was all around. I, just knowing, you know, knowing what it's like being in Seattle having lost a team and how heartbreaking it is and knowing how mad everyone in Seattle was after the, that Sacramento fiasco, um, I'm not sure I'd want to be in Quebec on the day mm. that they found out they weren't getting, <laughs> getting an expansion franchise. It's, it, it's, I especially don't know if I'd want to be out on the streets, because I, I just think those people would be so hurt and so angry, and and who could blame them? I mean, it's, no, not they, at all. Are, they are the prototypical hockey fan base, aren't they? I mean... Uh, and yeah, so, yeah, I, it would be a shame if the if the economy um, kind of forced the hand of the NHL and, and didn't allow it. But, you know, maybe they could, even if they don't get expansion, maybe they could still get a relocation team at some point. You know, you got to hope for that. But, I mean, they already have their arena done. Um, oh, yeah. So what more what more would those fans have to do? You know, you just have to wonder. Um, but I, I think the positive for you guys out of that report is it was reported that Quebec – is out, but it was not reported that you guys are out. So I, I kind of think that you guys are in. Um, you know, maybe I'm I'm just speculating there, obviously, but you know, I, it, it seems like no. If, I think that I think that was the other half of the report was Vegas is in, Quebec City's out. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah. That and, was the other and of half course, of the you know, report, so. yeah, we in Seattle are looking at these reports, and you know. The, on, on the selfish side of us, we're thinking, okay, well, that means that maybe that leaves room for Seattle for expansion a year or two down the road, you know, if they open up another round for expansion. And we we finally have a vote coming up on Soto Arena um, here in the next month. We've got a, a public meeting about that next week. And uh, there, it's been, it's been reported that Victor Coleman – uh, here is not going to sign off on any kind of NHL first agreement until he knows that the arena is going to be finally approved. And so we've we actually we're on the cusp of actually having a shovel ready arena. Um, but you know, it, you just never know what's going to happen. You, we we really don't know Coleman? for sure if we're going to get. In, yeah, what was that? Coleman was the Tuckwilla project. Was that correct? And Hanson is the photo. No. Deal? No. Coleman is um, I, uh, can, the NHL vest. Can I say something from an e? What was that? 
East Coast uh, buy-in? Sure. 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 Jump in, Chris. I feel that in a – and this is just from my research and following hockey and uh, on both uh, on the ice and the business side of it, that if you ask the NHL that five years from now that there will be a team in Vegas and there will be a team in Seattle – uh, both through probably the expansion process, and that there will be a team that just financially a market that cannot make it. And Carolina is probably, a, unfortunately for those fans, in the bullseye uh, that will wind up uh, relocating uh, to Quebec City. Now, uh, I think Vegas is on a path for a much sooner uh, resolution. Um, uh, the reason, and this is nothing from what I read, Mark alluded to, I texted him about the, uh, Vegas uh, getting into the NHL in 2018 or 19. I just feel like the longer this goes on, uh, I feel like it makes it much more difficult for 17, 18 to happen. But that is just that's just a gut feeling, um, trying to right. read all the tea leaves. For all I know, the NHL offices could have told Mr. Mr. Foley, you're in. Uh, you're in a 17-18 season, but due to reasons A, B, and C, I need you to keep it on the down low. Do what you have to do, and you're in for preparation, but keep it quiet. That's just pure, you know. But I, I feel, uh, and I think probably the biggest thing that Seattle has going for itself is the NHL really wants Seattle. And I've tried right. to do some research over the last few months and other than leading into the expansion process, who was going to submit the bid, but uh, you guys would know better than me in terms of where you're at in terms of an ownership group and uh, and in terms of the state-of-the-art building, um, where that's right. at. Because at the end of the day, the NHL, what they're asking for, if you really think about it, is for someone to come in, write them a half-a-billion-dollar check, uh, be able to pull off a state-of-the-art building be it through their own money or through state money or whatever shape or form, uh, be well-heeled uh, both for the short-term and the long-term. And then from an ownership standpoint, be able to do all that and still have it work economically for both the short and the long-term. And I honestly think it's that all order. And those are not easy... Those, yeah, that's, those are not easy hurdles to. Now, I, I honestly believe for both Vegas and and Seattle that can all work, but uh, you know you're gonna have to have someone with a vision uh, to make that happen. That's that's a, but that's kind of how I feel based. And again, trying to get uh, research material on all this, how I see it happening. I think it's gonna take a little bit of time for Seattle. And I think Vegas will be the first one on the board, and I think Quebec will, uh, you know, like I said, I haven't read. I know, I believe Carolina's last in the league in attendance. It just traded one of their signature players in Eric Stoll. So, I mean, they're they're still, even though they've been a, one of the big surprises in the league this year, they're, they're kind of in a rebuild. So that's not the best position to be in when you're, you know, uh, when not you're not drawing the market. Yeah, so right. um, that's kind of how I feel about the big picture, both the small picture and the big picture for those three markets. Just yeah, my my gut feeling. Yeah, I I think I agree with that uh, perception and that feeling. I um, I, I do think that uh, 
Quebec would be a prime relocation target, and I do think the NHL wants to be here. Um, and regarding the ownership group um, issue, that that segues perfectly back into Mark's question, which is um, uh, what Coleman's place in this all is. Coleman is um, an NHL investor, potential NHL investor, and he has um, some kind of preliminary agreement with Chris Hansen uh, to work in Soto, but they don't have uh, to, for the Soto Arena to be built. Currently, we have to have an NHL, or I'm sorry, an NBA franchise, and there's no mechanism currently, other than private funding, uh, to build it with, for NHL first. And so, um, it's been reported that he wants to to come up with a another deal with Hanson that would allow NHL first, but that he is not going to sign off on anything or make any commitments until he knows that the arena is going to get final approval. And so we're, we're finally close to final approval on the arena. And then we'll find out how serious Coleman is about uh, putting some money in. Cause I mean, he's going to have to put some cash down to get NHL first. It's going to have to be almost private to get that done. And so, so Coleman is trying to work with Hanson and Soto and uh, regarding Tequila, uh, the lead investor, uh, the lead guy there is Ray Bartizak. And, uh, yeah, we go. found out. Yeah, we found out a couple months ago that right because he had he had told us that he was going to apply, uh, and he had, right. he had told other reporters that he was going to apply, and it was basically almost a done deal. Um, well, it turns out that right before the, it came time to apply officially, he lost his lead investor, like right mm-hmm. before, <laughs> and so um, he's still trying to get something done done at Tequila, but he. His major challenge is finding a major investor, and of course, that's that's not exactly an easy major challenge to have. That's that's the challenge. <laughs> I mean, you don't get that; mm-hmm. you have nothing. Challenge one, checkbook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got the property consolidated. He needed he needs. He's got environmental reviews going on. Um, he's got a decent location. He's got everything, but the, but the primary investor, and that you know that. That unfortunately, that's the hardest part to get. Um, sure. And so that's why I love Mister Foley. <laughs> he is all in. Well, he he's, oh, yeah. he's everything and in one. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's, and, that's uh, what I'm saying. To get to get to get all those uh, boxes checked, it, it it's it's not easy. No. Yeah. yeah he's, it's it's our not. our arena is privately funded, so we don't have the issues that Phoenix or Florida or Seattle has. The owner's writing checks out of his own pocket for the expansion fee, so we don't have to worry about bonds or, or sales tax increases on the first 20 years of a renal life pay, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, here you go, here's my money. So all of those yeah, hurdles that you guys are struggling with that I feel so bad for you guys about, we just uh, aren't dealing with. Yeah, and believe me, Otto and I are so jealous of you guys. <laughs> uh, is that right, Otto? Oh my gosh! Do you have any questions for these guys? No, I mean, I think I think you know everything they said about where they're at in regards to uh, you know the the kind of pulse of the city uh, and you know having to wait and where they're at with the arena. I mean, I think it's great. Um, I know who's the guy from uh, that covers the the aisles? Who's that? That's Chris. Chris, Chris, um, we have a guy that you probably. Uh, probably pretty familiar with in uh uh in Matthew Barzell. Um what's what's the likelihood that um 
Um, he's going to be on the big club next year and not come back down to junior hockey. Yeah, that's uh, actually Hockey Futures, which is a great site for all uh, current NHL prospects and the draft prospects coming up, is uh, now doing their spring, winter, spring um, uh, articles of where they do the top 20 prospects of each team. And the Islander one came out yesterday. And this is nothing against Michael Del Cole, but Matthew Barzell, uh, according to them, is now the Islanders' number one prospect. And that's saying a lot because Hockey Futures had Matthew <laughs> Del, uh, excuse me, Michael Del Cole uh, ranks as the 16th best prospect in the sport at the beginning of the year. And I think they had uh, Matthew Barzell at number 25. Uh, Barzell had a, uh, an incredible uh, training camp this past uh, September. In fact, uh, most people felt that. You know, he had literally no shot to make the team. Uh, it was Michael Del Cole that had an outside shot if he if he showed it up. And it was Barzel, it was Barzel who was in training camp through the last day, played through the last exhibition game. And the Islanders are actually deep at four. And if there was just one more injury, at least to start the season, uh, I believe he would have started the season with the Islanders with the nine-game tryout. In terms of going, obviously, as you guys know, he's had a tremendous year uh, with uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds. And, uh, uh, but the Islanders, uh, after a couple of examples over the over this uh, last number of years, um, going through a rebuild, and a couple of players like Naaman, Josh Bailey, and Nino Lina Ryder, have uh, had uh, situations where players were rushed a little bit. And they do not... Now they kind of fall uh, maybe on the era of, you know, too much white glove treatment, if you will. I mean, people have been calling for Ryan Pulak all year, who's, again, one of the top prospects in all hockey, and he has just now uh, made his NHL debut uh, within the last week and a half. So, and, you know, a lot of other people would tell you that maybe he was ready, you know, two, three months ago. But but they're they're very protective of their kids. Uh, if, uh, if they're a little bit unsure, uh, they're going to have them go back. Now, in Barzil's case, what makes it difficult is uh, with, with Pulak, he, you know, he was in the AHL, so he was a phone call away. So, I mean, if Barzil has another training camp like he had last year, and the Islanders do have, you know, three, three each and four, so that could come into the mix as well. Franz Nielsen, right. Franz Nielsen, uh, Kyle Oposo, Matt Martin, all free agents. I expect two of them back, probably Nielsen and Martin, but it could open up a spot. But Michael Del Cole, who is a year ahead of Barzell in terms of age and experience, is also in the mix as well. So uh, if Barzell, uh has the same kind of training camp as last year, he will at least get that nine-game tryout. But I would say if there's any any doubts in the Islanders' mind, um, they will have him spend one more year in junior. So uh, they're going to be they're going to be protective of him. They they love him. They were beyond ecstatic. They had that trade worked out with Edmonton on draft night. Uh, I guess at a certain point, I don't think they and and the trade was contingent. That bought when the draft was going on, that Barzell would be there at 16, and I don't think they thought that Barzell was going to wind up falling to 16. Uh, but when they did, they felt they said they felt they got one of the top five players in the draft. So um, 
and I think they, they I think uh and I'm very high on him as uh Mark will tell you, we did uh, uh the very first time I was on the show as a guest, we did a mock draft show and I think I had Barzil Mark right in the top six or seven. Yeah, and I, I had him going at nine, I believe. And yeah. uh, I think I had him going to Philly, I think. And you were like, and Mark's like, really? Barzil? You know, this early, you know? And I'm like, I'm really high on this kid and with his, with his vision, and he makes everyone around him better, his skill. So uh, he is going to be a big piece for the Islanders going forward. Uh, I am... I, I love Michael Del Cole, but I actually uh, I'm a little bit more uh, higher on Barzil. I I, I feel like uh, he's going to be a, a a borderline franchise player, at least the first liner. I really do. Awesome. Well, that's that's great to hear. Hopefully, uh, you don't love him too much next year. <laughs> Send him back down to Seattle for one more year. <laughs> I, I think there's a good. I think there's a good chance of that. But simply, also he's a center, so I mean it depends. Like if the Islanders lost, if you told me the Islanders were going to lose Franz Nielsen, who's a center, that could open up things. And depending upon what the Islanders do this off season, if you know players that they lose, be it what do they do? If they lose a Nielsen or a Poso, well, Poso's a winner. But if they lose a Nielsen, do they make a trade for a center? Do they, you know, really sign a center in free agency? I'm not sure. You know, so, you know, all those things, and I'm sure, you know, obviously the Islanders are keeping close tabs on him and getting a feel of, you know, how do they feel if he's going to be ready next year. I mean, if they feel he's ready, uh, maybe they let Franz Nielsen go, as, although as popular as he is, he's such a good two-way player. But he, I think, just turned 32, so that's something to keep in mind as well. So, um, so, but, uh, I, I, again, if you put a gun in my head, uh, I would say, you know, he he's probably uh I would well I shouldn't say that. It's probably more uh better chance than not he'll wind up playing um in Seattle next year. Maybe he gets that nine game tryout, but um well like I said, he he you know, if he's he, he continues to develop and he's even better than last training camp, he might he might give them no choice but he should be on this team. Right. No, that's great news. Thanks for that breakdown, man. Oh, no, my question, like I said, uh, the Islanders are in really good shape between uh, Barzal and Bill Cole moving forward. I, uh, they they have two top six forwards who are great kids with uh, tremendous intangibles. Um, you know, uh, in the uh, on the downside, they're top six forwards. On the upside, they're first-line forwards. Okay, guys. Well, um, it's been wonderful talking to you, and uh, hope to have you on on again in the future. And I really, yeah, I really hope the NHL uh, pulls the stick out of wherever and uh, makes a decision for you guys pretty soon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're all uh, we're all ready. The arena's looking fantastic. Got uh, just almost a full building and and season tickets, so. The city's ready to go. Waiting on you, Gary. Waiting on you, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well thanks uh, again for having us. Mark and Chris. We appreciate it for sure. All right. Thanks, Mark and Chris. Yeah. And All right. Nice thanks, guys. Chris. We'll have you, we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks, guys.
Give us a call. We're glad to do it. Bye. All right. That was uh, Mark and Chris from the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, And, Otto, we have gone over our normal time. But that always happens (laughs) when we talk to those guys. (laughs) I I want to say last time we talked to them. Oh, yeah. I want to say the last time we talked to those guys, uh, we might have done an hour just with them. Um, and I think, I think so. we did probably, I, I think we just did 48 minutes with them. Um, but, but that, but that's okay because they have so many good things to say. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I guess they're kind of kindred spirits for us because they, they have their own hockey podcast down there and, and they're waiting on their own team. And, um, it's just kind of the way it goes, but, uh, Otto, we're going to, I think we're going to wrap it up now for this week. And, uh, Next week, when we come to you guys, uh, it's going to be from downtown Seattle, and uh, we're going to be in and around um, the meeting at City Council and uh, in whatever form that takes. Um, but Otto, thanks for joining me as as, as always. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. I want to thank the guys from the uh, Vegas Hockey Podcast. I want to thank Brandon Rivers for hopping on with us. And I want to thank all of you for listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.